Look at Talk. Brand new episode starts now. Welcome one. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Talk Podcast. The podcast that tells you the more you drink, the better we sound. One of the realest podcasts out here. Go ahead and subscribe if you haven't done so already. Whether it's on our podcast, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Go ahead and show us some love wherever you are, wherever you get your podcast at. And guess what, y'all? You know we had to do a follow-up to that sex episode that we did earlier this month. So this this is part two. Without further ado, she's the host of the Cashmere Room podcast. She's a short story and erotic writer, podcaster. Joining us today on Look at Talk, it's Miss Duchess Cashmere. She got the mask on, y'all. She's ready to go. She's she ready to go. How you doing today, Miss Duchess? Hello, lovers. I am Duchess Cashmere, the griot erotica, the pussy preacher, the female dolomite, the host of the Cashmere Room podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for coming on. So I got to ask you, so what got you started into writing for erotic novels? I have kind of always been a writer, but about three years ago, right before COVID, I was in the original version of Intozaki Shango's For Color Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow Was Not Enough. And I went to open mic with my castmates and did my very first open mic that night and just kind of caught the bug. And I am in the lifestyle. I am a dominatrix. My husband and I host lifestyle parties. So I've kind of always been that girl to everybody wanting to hear the story about what happened at the sex party. So I'm used to telling the stories about what happened. So I just took my real life as a bisexual, polyamorous sex goddess and turned that into the stories. So what? So tell me what goes on at these sex parties. What goes down at these sex parties? Because <laughs> I never heard of that until you mentioned it. You never heard of the lifestyle, the swinger lifestyle. Um, we get together and we it's BYOB. We have little appetizers and food. We play sexy games, and we probably spend about a month prior like we have a chat room set up so everyone can get to know each other and uh we have introductions people talk about their preferences the orientations how they like to play and sometimes people have sex and i always have sex at every one of my lifestyle parties um and sometimes people just enjoy watching um, sometimes people get massages. Um, my husband and I do BDSM demonstrations. So sometimes people just watch and sometimes people have sex. That's real. So what's the craziest thing you've seen go down at one of these parties? Um, at one of my personal, the, like the ones that I host, um, the craziest thing, it's not too crazy at my parties, I would consider my parties to be kind of very almost, dare I say the dreaded word, vanilla. Nothing too crazy goes on at my parties. Mm. I was riding this guy's face and my submissive was sucking his dick and I was flogging my submissive at the same time. I would say that's the wildest thing. Wow, that is crazy. That's a lot of crazy. That's a, that's the ultimate threesome right there. That that's some crazy action right there. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, shit, I'm like, damn all. One can fetishize like shit. Me having a beard, having a woman sit on my bed, and another one sucking me up. Man, that would be lovely, man. <laughs> he was a very lucky man. He was a very lucky man that night. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Yes, he was, like, very lucky. So what, what was your favorite thing to write about? Like, of all the um, your stories, what was your favorite thing to cover? Um, Of all of my stories, I would say Sadistic Wet Dreams is my favorite. That's episode number six. And it's the story, uh, it's one of the ones I call them, it's a fornication fairy tale. So it's set at a hotel takeover lifestyle type party. And I have been to lots of hotel takeovers before, but I've never dominated a couple. And in that story, the main character who is Duchess, she dominates a couple and I've never done that before. So that's something that I would love to do. And that's my favorite one of all of them. Wait, how the hell do you dominate a couple? How the hell do you tell both the motherfuckers what to do? What? How absolutely, do you do absolutely. You tell they uh, in the story they meet at a at a cafe, and the couple they are submissive in nature. They like to be dominated as a couple, and they meet Duchess Cashmere. They have a circle of consent conversation, and she dominates the both of them. Wow. So what couple couple I didn't know couples would be both down to be dominated by one person. Yes, yes. And I have kind of sorta had that. Not really. I had an impact play session with a couple at uh Naughty in New Orleans at a, a swingers convention, but I wouldn't say I dominated them. They really they really more or less I topped them. I gave both of them impact play. But I wouldn't yeah. consider that I dominated them as a couple. But yes, yeah, some couples do. Um, they want to experience humiliation or impact play, but you know they don't want their partner to do it, or their partner's not into that to where their partner can't bring themselves to do it. So they go outside of their relationship, and then someone like me would come in and dominate the both of them. Mm, wow. So talk to me about the swingers lifestyle. What do single people need to know about these lifestyles and stuff? Like what do single people need to know before I want to <laughs> attend one of these parties? Um, well, for us, we ask a lot of questions. One, if you're single, make sure that you actually are single. Don't be at the party with a whole family at home and you lying and you saying that you're single. Um, for single men, uh, approach the husband first. Always show respect to the husband before you even attempt to start to play with his wife. And, uh, you know, don't be afraid. Don't be unnerved when she says, I got to show you, I got to show my husband your picture. Your, my husband got to know what your address is before we begin to play together. Um, I would say for single girls, always show respect to the wife. Um, make sure what you're doing to, with, and for her husband, that she's okay with that. Um, my husband and I, we kind of practice open table polyamory to where I know everything. I'm friends with, he has a playmate who's not bisexual. So therefore I don't play with her. I don't have sex with her, but she is kind of like almost a quasi sister to me to where we talk about girl shit and we look at outfits together, things of that nature. 
Wow. This lifestyle seems amazing compared to the <laughs> shit we see on because it just seems like the main chick and the side chick, they always be fighting one another. Yes. The shit we see on social media compared to this lifestyle, it's just world difference. Like, I'm sorry I'm kind of fascinated, but I'm like, damn, so y'all really be out here talking to the main chick and the side chick like it's nothing. Well, for one, she's not a side chick. She is someone that my husband enjoys having sex with and she shows me respect. I show her respect. She has her own life. Um, she's not a secret. I am not a secret. So she's not a side chick. She is a independent single woman who enjoys sex. Just That's like real. I am an independent woman. I'm not single, but I'm independent. I play with my partner and separately from my partner, and I enjoy sex. That's real. That's real. Who don't enjoy sex? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that is great. So, so what have you learned? Have you ever, like, learned from other women, like, how to do this for your husband or something like that? Or um, is it okay to learn from others? I do think that it is okay to learn from others. I I won't say I learn from them because we do we practice what's called sexual outsourcing. So a lot of the things that some of my other part some of my husband's other partners do for him that's not my thing. So I don't have to learn it. That's what he gets so like I don't swallow per se. So that's something that he gets from his other partners. My husband is not submissive in nature. So therefore, I need another male partner who does enjoy being submissive to get that energy from him. So it's not like um, it's something that my partner lacks. He ain't down with that. So I get that over here. Mm. So do you think this lifestyle is for everybody? Because I've talk, I've done podcasts with, uh, with um, sex therapists and we just talked about like if a, your one partner is not okay with doing something like say anal porn, like they're not mm -hmm. okay with that and it seems to be a problem, then the relationship is off. But it seems like if your wife can't do it for you, then if, she, if it's okay, you can get it from somebody else. Is that what we're kind of being like right now? That, yes, that is, but that works for us that is a decision that we made in our relationship. I'm not going to deny you a, a blowjob where the girl doesn't swallow. I just ain't my thing. But if you and your homegirl like that, it may be her thing. That's okay with me. So I have what's called compersion. I like to see my husband having sex. My husband is a dominant. I like to watch him dominate other women. Because, yes, I am a submissive to him, but, you know, don't hit me too hard. My threshold for pain is real low. And so we have a playmate that her threshold for pain is high. So I like seeing him in that light where he is able to express his dominance in a stronger, more forceful way because that's what she like. I get, joy. I get joy out of seeing him be pleased. And vice wow, versa. He likes to watch me dominate other men, but that's not his kink. He's not down with that. See, now that's well, that that is so interesting. This sounds like some black fifty shades of gray shit right here. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that movie or not, but that movie was so vanilla and shit. I, mean, I still was... remember it years ago, even though it came out years ago. 
I still mm-hmm. remember how vanilla it was. I'm like, people really do this shit? Y'all so born with it. <laughs> I I was in the theater and the movie was playing, but I wasn't really awake. I was probably, yeah, I would think I slept. I slept. I probably slept through it. Listen, I think I made my date mad because it was Valentine's Day when we went to go see it. I think I, I think I fell asleep on that damn movie. <laughs> but she was into it though because she had read the books and stuff. Oh, I yeah. was like, man, look at here. This is this is just this is crazy. So I have to ask, what do you care about what your family may think or what friends who aren't down with this lifestyle think, you know? No, I what don't. Say? I am a woman of a particular age and after you turn 40, I had to release a lot of my fucks. So no, I don't give a fuck. I, um, I'm grown. My, uh, two of my children are grown. Um, my other child, she is my stepchild and we of course protect her from that. So I'm completely open with my family and, um, my girlfriend ate Christmas dinner with us not too long ago, so it's it's no big deal. That's real. That's real. So wow. So on your recent episode, now talk about dealing with a wrestler. Like wow, because you know, <laughs> you know, I know like WrestleMania was this past weekend, and yes, like, wow. it was. Go Bianca Belair. Yes, shout out to Bianca for doing the yes. damn thing. You know, yes. what I'm saying, listen, yes. I get excited seeing my black wrestlers winning, yes. even though WWE don't be trying to let black wrestlers be great, but, you yes. know, tell me about that story, that inspiration uh, about the wrestler. So that story is, hold on, let me find it. That is also a fornication fairy tale. It is written from the perspective where I, of course, am the main character, Duchess, and the young man in the story, his name is Andre in the story, but that really is my husband. As uh, So it is us as if we had met in college. And so it didn't really happen. And so I've always been a big fan of wrestling. So I was just trying to push myself in my craft as a story writer, as a storyteller and as a writer. And I just wanted to see if I could create a story around wrestling. And I did. And it was a huge success. It's been, it's very, it's one of my most popular episodes. That's episode oh, really? number 18, Work Over and Push. And it's full of rest, real wrestling trivia. I mentioned Miss Thelma. And when I wrote that story, she was the first Black woman who got inducted to the Wrestling Hall of Fame last year. And I make reference to Booker T. Um, I make reference to real wrestling moves in the story. I talk about how wrestling is one of the original human sports, second only to races historically across humanity. And I was, it was fun. And I do a lot of real research whenever I write the stories to make sure I'm using the words correctly. That's real. That's real. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Look at Talk. This is another episode where you need to hide the goddamn kids, you know what yes. I'm saying? Hide the kids, hide the animals, hide the damn goldfish, mm-hmm. hide everybody, you know what I'm saying? Hide all the motherfuckers who can't handle the realness because we get real. This is grown folks talk or yeah. the liquor. So what kind of liquor do you like to sip on? And what kind of liquor, liquor gets y'all in the mood for these BDSM <laughs> parties and this domination shit? Well, 
when I am engaging in BDSM, I don't drink because I am the dominant. So I have to pay attention to my submissives breathing and uh, look at their body cues. So I don't drink. But today I'm drinking Parmesan and sweet tea. Parmesan is my liquor of choice. I like dark liquor. Parmesan, peach crown, E&J, things of that nature. Yes, back-to-back guests where they like dark liquor. This is mm-hmm. this we on a roll right now with the dark liquor because for a while white liquor was always dominant. Everybody was like, "Oh, I'm on white, I'm on white." And I've heard mm. so many different stories about how people were around and it didn't work out. Now, does brown bring out your freaky side or no? Because my last guest mm. said brown will bring out their freaky side. No, brown does not bring out my freaky side is always out. So I don't need liquor to bring it out. I uh, I, I wake up with a heart on <laughs> just like a man does. My pussy be on hard when I wake up. So no, brown does not bring my heart freak out at all. Wow. It's just regular. Wow. It's regular. Mm-hmm. So do you have a crazy sex story for the people, you know? A crazy from- sex story? Because I know you had to have some experiences where you're like, some BDSM shit, some BDSM shit that you said, I ain't ever doing this shit again. Ever doing this shit again. Um, I do have a story. It's not crazy, but I do have some things that I would never do again. I would never allow my wrist to be tied up again because I got the carpal tunnel in my wrist and I don't like stinging pain. I like a thuddy pain as far as a flogger um let's see let's see Mm, something i would never do again i don't really have anything on my list that i would never do again most of the stuff like i had a real bad experience tripping for the first time and it was really awkward but i am open to do it again with someone who knows what they're doing Oh, so you you did it with a girl and the girl didn't know what the hell she was doing. Well, she enjoyed herself. She had a really good time. She was oohing and aahing and hollering and going on. And I was just looking up at the ceiling because I was bored as fuck. I didn't know what I, I, you know, I was new to being with girls at the time. But I am open to doing it again. So it's not like it's completely off the list. I tried again. I would. (laughs) So should that be a bad sign when it comes to sex if your partner is bored, look like they're just bored, they're not really Yes, that, that should be a bad sign. You know, granted, she wasn't really my partner. She was just somebody I was playing with. But yeah, if you're connecting with someone in a sexual way and they're zoned out looking up at the ceiling and they're not really engaged with you, then you probably should be like, hey, am I doing something wrong? Yeah, like, okay? what the hell? Yeah. yeah. Are you here? Like, are you there? What, what you thinking about? But, you know, yeah, she was because... she was in her own zone, getting her nuts, so. <laughs> she was in her own zone while you were looking bored as hell, but yeah. that, that's not a good partner to me. Yeah. Like, yeah, I understand you wanted to get your nut and all, but damn, you got to look out for the other person, too, yeah. you know? You got to juggle. At the same time, you know, your orgasm is your responsibility. So I didn't express to her that I was bored because, like I said, she wasn't my partner. She was just somebody I was playing with in that moment. And I haven't seen her since. So, you know, it is what it is. 
Hey, hey, go back to that. Your orgasm is your responsibility. Your orgasm so, is your responsibility, yes. So why do so many women love to blame a man like if the sex ain't good, like because you didn't get yours? Because we're conditioned to we're conditioned through society and through culture to place the importance of sex on the man. Um, I noticed in your last episode, a lot of times we feel like once the man ejaculates, then the sex is over. No, no, you just ejaculated. But if I'm not done, the sex is absolutely not over. So I think that we're conditioned as women to place so much power over our own sex onto our partners or our men or our masculine presenting partners when it's really our responsibility to get to know our partners and then teach our partners about ourselves what I like and what I don't like. Because if you don't teach them, they're not going to know. That's so true. And it's like, and I didn't realize this until I started getting older and also listening to podcasts of that. We need to be having these conversations. Like, what do you like in sex? Like, do you like this? Mm -hmm. Do you like that? Because I've learned over the years, I said this on a previous episode, that you might finger one girl and she might have the biggest orgasm. Another motherfucker, she looking at you like you crazy. So exactly. you got to have these Excuse conversations. Me. Exactly. I don't think that we as women are even taught that our pleasure is important or even valuable. We're just taught, oh, you lay down, you open up your legs, the man put his dick inside you and that's sex. Yes, that's sex. But what about my pleasure? What about my orgasm? We're not even taught to explore or express our what feels good to us. Damn. And it's just, and I don't think many of you get taught that either because it's like, yeah, you might, she might set you up or she might get a hair job, but there's got to be more to it than just that, you know? Yeah. So, and what I've learned is you got to research, you know, so you just got to mm -hmm. do your homework on it. Yeah. But ladies and gentlemen, this is Look and Talk. I hope y'all are enjoying this. Another sex episode. This is just on one freaky month, y'all. So I hope y'all <laughs> enjoy this again. So. So I did need to ask this one question. Like, okay. How does a person who hadn't had sex in a while, because sometimes people going through sex drops and stuff, how do they mentally get themselves ready so they don't, you know, get there fast, you know, too fast now? Because oh. I've also seen on social media, I don't know if you saw this trend out, women talking about men coming too fast or something like that. So, um, I would suggest maybe some edge play to where you you know, your dick is in the pussy and you're pumping right before it feels too good to where you can, you're you about to come, stop, pull out, eat it, play with it, suck a titty, change positions. I think that can help prolong, se prolong sex. And I think more foreplay before you even put your dick inside of her. Like, um, we practice a lot of what they call outer play to where we have a lot of oral sex. We have a lot of digital sex, a lot of hand play. We use a lot of toys. We do a lot of different things well before we actually get to the actual penis inside vagina. Sex is greater than that. You know, we use our, our whole bodies for sex. Oh, now that's something like, that's something people need to realize to use the whole body for sex instead of just two body parts. Yes. It's more than just the penis and the vagina. And I mean, the vagina itself, 
you look at the vulva, the whole female genitalia, the clit, the labia, the inner thigh. There's all these different places to please her before you even get to the vagina. The vagina, just one part. You know, you can mm. bite and suck and kiss on a woman's inner thigh and make her come. What? You can bite and suck and lick and spank a woman on her inner thighs and make her come before you even pull the panties to the side. That's one orgasm right there and you ain't even took her panties off. Wow. So what are the other hidden orgasms that, that we need to know about? Uh, well, every woman's different. So one thing my husband and I, we, I used to do, we used to have what I would call play sessions where we would just do all sorts of different types of things to each other just to see what you like compared to what I like. And you will find that your body has a lot of strange erogenous zones. I mean, if no one's ever licked you in the crook of your arm, you would never know that it feels good until someone does it there. If someone never licked you behind, never kissed you on the back of the neck, then you would never know that if they kissed you there, it would make your pussy better until you do it. Wow, because we I have to play together as partners and learn what each other's like. Do you think do you think a lot of people need to do that more often? Because it's like I see a lot of bad sex stories and stuff that they're like, oh, they didn't do this, they didn't do that. Or I just wasted my time with this motherfucker. You know, I'm like, damn, I'm like, do y'all get to know each other? Or do y'all just get in bed like some damn animals? Yeah, because what you do with this play partner or this sexual partner is not going to be the same. You can't suck the left titty on all the women. All the women left titty may not be sensitive. So you have to kind of play with your partner. You have to get to know them on a sexual level because everything you try is not going to feel good. And if you don't try it, then you don't know. That's real. That's real. Now, how does one bring up these conversations with somebody new without trying to come off as a motherfucker just, just, that just want to have sex, like, shit, just go down like, right when y'all about to have foreplay, or how does um, one bring up these conversations? I'm a little different because I do have sex on the first date if I'm feeling a good vibe. I like to have those quote-unquote hard conversations with people early up front because Sexual compatibility is important to me, especially in a relationship. So I'm going to have um, those. I'm. There's no coming off too hard. There's no too soon to have a conversation about sex, in my opinion. That's true. And I think the world needs more women like you because there's a lot of women. They're so scared to have the conversation. But I'm like, y'all want to sit here and y'all want to be like, oh, we don't want to have the conversation. But. But yeah, but aren't you the one that done had a baby by another man? Oh, no. Wait, wait, wait. It goes both ways. A lot of times the men don't be want to have a conversation, too. They just be want to jump in. So I think it's can I think it's some work can be done on both sides. Yes, definitely. Work. I agree with you there. Work can definitely be done on both sides and stuff. Because so. I think that men want to have sex, but they don't want to talk. And I think that women want to talk, but we sometimes we be too scared to pull the trigger because of 
what society thinks they think oh i can't have sex on the first night yeah you can it's okay you yeah, can have sex like, on the first night and you can never see that man again if you don't want to yeah because honestly personally it took for me to hear one story from an older lady i was working with a long time ago mm-hmm. she told me how they waited to have sex and they waited till they were i think it was about two weeks before they were gonna get married and they didn't have they had sex the first time she said it was over when she threw up and coughed away and i said well that's that's how i know you need to have sex within the first couple of days god damn it because <laughs> i mean if like, the vibe is right go if the vibe is right go forth yes if the vibe is right please go for you know what I'm saying? so mm-hmm. So what are some things, going back to the couples and stuff, mm-hmm. what are some things you heard from other couples that you're like, how the hell y'all do that shit? Like, what is wrong with y'all? Mm, I would say there are some couples that um, they they play don't ask don't tell where they don't share with their partner everything that they do um that's not something that i could do because that's part of my sexual enjoyment my husband and i we love to talk about the things that we do outside of each other whenever we go to like the swingers club soon as we get in the car we're talking about oh did you see me i was doing that oh did you see me i was doing that when you did this right here this was good so we always love the recap conversations so i would say that you know couples that don't like to talk about it um i don't see how they do that but at the same time you know being in the lifestyle is creating the type of lifestyle that you want. So I feel like you can't really, really worry about what other people do and just do what you want to do. Exactly. So how can now I know you probably have seen this before. Can you tell if a couple's just tired of fucking each other? Can you tell that? If can you t- can you tell? Like, said, ask the question again. Um, can you tell if a couple's just tired of fucking each other? Because sometimes can couples tell- can. They just tired of each other. They just tired of the sex with each other. I don't think so. I think that everyone is very good at hiding what they don't want to know from you. If they want to cover it up and hide it, they can. Because there's lots of people who have whole families at home. And, you know, they just come to the lifestyle party with their lifestyle partner and you thinking they married to each other, but then they have a whole nother life outside of the lifestyle. So I think uh, deception is very good in all areas of life and people can have secrets in the lifestyle just like they have secrets in the regular world. Now, what do you recommend for gay and lesbian people in the lifestyle as well? Because it's like, Cause I know there'll be some motherfuckers that be down low. So I'm like, I don't know. I would say as a bisexual woman in the lifestyle, I would say give straight women the respect that they deserve. All women in the lifestyle, at the lifestyle party, at the swingers club, everybody's not going to be bi just because you are bi. So give them the same consent that you would expect from a man. Because I've seen a lot of bisexual women, they they kiss, they touch uh, on straight women. 
without even asking consent. Consent goes for us too, just because we are bisexual, you know, respect them just because they don't want to have sex. Respect them, let them have their boundaries. And for gay men, I would say find the right circle that is accepting of you. I've not been in any lifestyle situations that I know of with any gay men, but I have heard the conversations where, oh, we don't want gay men in the group or, oh, we don't want bisexual men in the group. So just take that time to find the group for you because there's there's a there is a group out there. But. I don't have any experience with that, so I can't really speak on that, but for the the gay women. Keep your hands to yourself sometimes, sis. You know, you got to <laughs> ask consent just like the men got to ask consent. That's real. That's real. So going back to sex again, like mm-hmm. a friend of mine, me and a friend of mine, me and a close college friend of mine were having this conversation. She said, just it seems to her, but she said if a man enjoys anal sex too much, she thinks he, he might be gay on the down low. What do you think about that? I think that she can think whatever she wants to think about a man who enjoys anal sex. She's entitled to that opinion and everybody's opinion is right. So if that's what she thinks and that's how she feels, then go forth. But I know a lot of men who are not gay at all and very much enjoy anal sex. I know a lot of straight women who very much enjoy anal sex. I know some gay men that don't enjoy anal sex. They're tops, so they don't enjoy anal sex, but they're gay. So I think it's a spectrum. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a spectrum, man. It's like, and I wish some people would just learn how to, you know, figure out their partner, figure out what their partner like. And also, if their partner doesn't like something, shut the fuck up about it and just move on, you know. Or mm-hmm. join the BDSM lifestyle and you, where you could get it from somebody else that, you know. So how does one introduce themselves to that lifestyle? Like, how do you introduce yourself to that lifestyle? And how do you encourage somebody to be a part of that lifestyle? Um, hmm. I introduce myself just by searching for it because I got into the lifestyle as a single girl probably about 10 years ago. I watched a documentary. I went on Google. I searched it up. Just so happened there was a club in my town. Um, Do the same thing. There's websites. There's FetLife. There's SLS.com. There's Cassidy.com. There's APG. There's lots of websites that you can go to to seek out like-minded people. Now, granted, you're not going to like everybody. You're going to go into some places that you're not going to be comfortable. You might see some things that is not your kink, but don't go in there turning your nose up, yucking somebody else's yum. You're going to see things that you may not be into, but you got to respect that. That's real. You definitely have to respect that. Now, going back to sex again now, what is something you see that people should maybe try that everybody may look down on, but if you try it for yourself, you might enjoy it? Mm. Mm. I don't think that there's anything that, because I don't believe in, if you say you don't like it, okay, cool. 
We ain't never got to do it if you don't like it. So there isn't really anything. But I will say that I thought I would not like impact play because I thought if I let someone spank me, that automatically makes me a submissive and I'm not a submissive. So I thought I would like it. But after I learned and then I trusted someone to give me impact play exactly how I wanted it, I was like, oh, okay, I like that. But long as it's just like this from this one person. So I would say whatever it is, if you think you not going to like it, then don't do it if you don't want to. But if you have a tiny inkling that you think you might like it, if you feel safe and you feel comfortable, try that shit. Ain't no shame. <laughs> try that shit. She's telling y'all to try that shit. Try that shit. All right. All right. Let's revisit another thing. Okay. Dominant and submissive. Yes. What makes a person a good dominant? What makes a person a good dominant? In my opinion, a person is a good dominant if they have one knowledge of what they're doing. Do they know how to use that tool that they're using? Do they know that you're not supposed to hit a person in a face with a flogger? Do they know that they're you're not supposed to flog someone um, on their kidneys? Or they know that you're not to hit someone in the back of the head with a whip. Knowledge, that makes a good dominant. Someone who being dominant is not necessarily being the boss. You have to listen to that submissive. You have to have enough willpower and come willpower and self-control about yourself that when that submissive says yellow they mean that shit slow the fuck down when that submissive says red the scene stops everything ends right then you can't be so caught up in that you're flogging this person and you're enjoying the flogging so bad and so great and you're so high up in your dom space that when they say red you don't even hear it because you Flogging with your eyes closed and you in the zone and they down there saying red and you're not even paying attention. So a good dominant pays attention. Um, a good dominant knows the importance of aftercare. After you get done flogging somebody, you just don't walk away and be like, okay, thanks for letting me whoop you. I appreciate it. On to the next and a good dominant is knowledgeable, patient. That's all I can think of right now. I think I said enough. Knowledgeable, patient, pays attention. Yeah, knowledgeable, patient, pays attention. That's real. That's some real things, real qualities. Now, on the flip side, now, what makes a person a good submissive? Because it's like some people don't know how to submit. I would say, one, know what type of submissive you are. Are you a service submissive? Do you like doing work for someone? Does it please you to uh, bring someone their coffee fixed just the way it is? Does it please you to... Um, 
get impact play? Do you enjoy getting impact play? If your pain threshold is your pain threshold high enough to enjoy impact play? Um, being able to let your yes be yes and your no be no. Some people think a good submissive is just obedient. Not necessarily. Yes, they are obedient, but at the same time, they're being obedient because they want to be. Are you submitting to them because you really want to, or are you scared of them? And that's why you're submitting to them. So in a good submissive knows they're brave enough to be like, no, I don't want this. Because that's also, you got you got to be able to let someone know, no, this is too much for me. No, I don't want this. Or are you doing it because you're afraid of them? Because if you're doing it because you're afraid of them, they're not a dominant and you're not a submissive, you in an abusive relationship. Oh, drop that dimes on them. Are you doing it because you want to do this? Or are you doing it because you're scared of them? Oh, you should not be with somebody you're afraid of. You know, nah. Nah, it's, It's amazing how many you hear that. I'm like, you should not be afraid of this motherfucker. This is supposed to be your partner. Y'all supposed to be a team together. Not some, oh, I'm afraid of them, so I'm going to be with them. No, this ain't the Mario. This ain't no Mario show shit. Yeah. The and for, the, these people? for the most part, when you look at DS dynamics, really and truly, the submissive is the one that's in control. Mm. Because when they say green, that means I'm okay. You can hit me. You might could hit me a little harder. When they say yellow, the dominant has to slow down. When they say red, the dominant has to stop. So if you're giving your dominant cues that this is too much or this pain is a little bit past my threshold or I have a cramp in my leg, I need to stop standing like this and they're not listening to you, then you might need to check your situation. Yes, yes, you got to definitely check your situation. Now, now, because I because I had somebody like mention that they they got they um deal with somebody that could be impatient. Like, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that situation if let's say your woman's on it's that time of the month for your woman? It's just that means y'all just don't even deal with each other, or how y'all navigate around that if the person just needs to get that fixed? I would say that if your woman is on her period then you need to shut up and do whatever the fuck you need to do to comfort that woman until her period is over. And that's what, and that's the same thing I thought, but period. Some, man, they'd be like, yeah. And that's the same thing I thought, but there's some motherfuckers that be like bugging a woman. Like is your period off? Motherfucker, let the woman live, man. Shit. And I would say if you are, I mean, even, and it goes both ways. Like a man who has worked 12 hours a day and he is tired and he drove two hours in traffic, you know, let that man rest today and you get you some dick tomorrow, sis. Yes, yes. If you're in a relationship with someone, then the last thing your partner should be worried about is you pressuring them for sex. Agreed, agreed. Because it's just it ain't that serious. You just gotta gotta work with this person, especially if it's your partner. Mm-hmm. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is Liquor Talk. The more you drink, the better we sound. This is one of the realest conversations we're having, y'all. Yes, this is part two of sex. So let's get to these these um se- erotic sex love languages. Okay. So the five are energetic, sensual, sexual, kinky, and shapeshifter. Yes. Um, the first one's called energetic. It's defined as someone who's turned on by anticipation, teasing, yearning, and longing. Their love like teasing on their skin. They can be challenged too much, too fast, and just overwhelmed. Just associate when they're overwhelmed. What do you think about that? I I think that I like energetic people. I I am an exhibitionist, so most energetic people are voyeurs. So as an exhibitionist, I gotta have voyeurs to look at me. So yeah, I like energetic people. I I, I yeah. can be quite the tease if I do say so myself. <laughs> um, so how do you like? So how does one deal with an energetic person if you're not energetic? If you're not energetic, um, how would you deal with an energetic person if you was not energetic? I would say lots of foreplay. Lots of kissing, uh, making out, um, things like that. Things to lead up to sex, like lengthen out your foreplay session. And that's going to make the sex better if you have a person who is energetic. Yes, that's real. The next one is called sensual. It mm-hmm. says that someone who is turned on by their all their senses being ignited. They mean mm-hmm. they love taste, smells, beautiful environments, delicious scents as part of their sexual play. They appreciate romantic gestures, con- connections, and close closeness. They need to relax um, and feel like they need to relax in a sexual place. Their biggest challenge is getting caught up inside the head of thinking of feeling. Now, what do you think about that? Because I feel like a lot of people fall into this one. I am a sensual person. I do like a lot of things. I like the mood to be right. I have lighting and I like certain types of scents and you see I'm wearing stuff and uh, you know there's, there's it's a mood. It's a mood. It, all of this is really my lifestyle. It's really a mood. So but I would also say less is more. Ooh. All you need is one light, one candle. You don't need seven. Because seven, the room going to get too hot. Um, if you're doing a lot of things where you're tasting, you don't need all of the things. And if you're tasting, do the tasting in the kitchen. You don't necessarily want to mess up your sheets. And then, of course, there are certain food products that you shouldn't put on your genitals. So I would say you don't have to have all of the things you can have this and this and this today have three things this time three things next time you don't have to have all the things um, that's real and also you might need to keep a uh, set of backup sheets on uh, on deck because just, <laughs> <laughs> let's just be real about it you know yeah it ain't good unless some sheets ain't wet you know yeah you gotta gotta have put a towel down puppy we use a lot of puppy pads Oh yes! Oh, oh damn! Puffy pants. Mm-hmm. Get sweat. Oh, oh wow! <laughs> That's a tip for y'all. If y'all didn't know, by the way. <laughs> All right, the next one is called sexual. Means someone who is turned on by 
what we think of as sex is in our mainstream culture is that orgasms, nudity, penetration, intercourse, and climax. They mm-hmm. they they love sex and using to relate to feel corrected. Arousal is usually is easy for this type. The biggest challenge for them is their definition of sex, and, and they focus on the goal and not the journey. Now, what do you think of those people that just just give I me the think- sex? Just there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, shit. Sometimes it just be good to you. Sometimes you just get caught up in the moment. I think that there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but you just have to be open minded to explore other avenues. But don't negate that because you know we are humans and humans are animals. So we like we like we like titties. I like titties and hips and thighs and dad bods too and dicks and balls and all of that. I like to see that stuff too. Hell yeah, us man, we love to see the ass and teeth. So love to see it all. All Even of it. the face too. You know what I'm saying? Yes. The face, the lips, all of it. We yes. love to see it all. I'm very partial to feet. I like women because I am kind of tomboyish. So like I'm, I, I wear like. Air Force Ones and uh, loafers and boots, but I like to see a woman in high heels with her toes out and her toes done. Yes, I like it. So, a bonus question. Do you yes. think people like to ha- get licked on down there and stuff? Because I see some people, they, they're impartial, have their toes licked on, have their feet licked on. Um, I don't really like having my feet licked on. It tickles, and I, I'm a goofball, so I'll be laughing if you tickle me. <laughs> but I do like to look, I do like to see a woman in nice heels. Mm, that's real. That's real. Yeah. All right. The next one is called Kinky, which is someone who's turned on by taboo. Which is there are two different types. There's psychological and there's sens- sensation based. Mm-hmm. Psychological turns on include power plays, surrender, dominance. Mm-hmm. Sensations mm-hmm. turn on based on sensation and spanking. The challenge for those most people who identify as kicking is shame for desiring something that's edgy or too taboo for them. Now, Absolutely. this sounds like up your line right there. It sure does. I am kinky. I do like taboo things i like impact play i like electro play um i like to see it as well um one of the things my husband and i like to do is i do like to watch him dominate other women and he does like to watch me dominate as well um yeah and then of course it is i guess it is hard. It's not hard for me, but I guess it is hard to be like, you know, you're in your 40s, you've been married to this person 20 years, and now you say, honey, I think I want you to choke me. You know what I'm saying? I guess that can be kind of harder. Honey, I think I want you to put these clothespins on my thigh meat and spank the clothespins ever slightly. So I guess that kind of would be hard and you don't know what your partner is going to think. Um, I thought that my husband would be disgusted by watching me flog another man by him being a man. And he was like, you looked so sexy doing that. And he enjoyed it too. He was like, I loved watching you do it. So, you know, you, you do kind of have a little bit of shame because you don't know what your partner's going to think, but so you never know your partner may just be freaky as you is. Yes. Again, that's the conversation you got to have. Now, yeah. I, now, somebody told me about this a long time ago. Does choking somebody really help them help them get there faster, help them come? Because somebody told that a long, long time ago. I would say 
Choking people does not help them get there faster, but I would say some people do like choking. No, you shouldn't try to choke everybody. And absolutely, you should not let someone choke you unless you know that they've taken a class and they know how to do it correctly. Um, but for me, yes, it does get me there. I won't say it doesn't, it doesn't get me there faster because I'm already there, but it does make it more intense. Wait, hold up. That's a class on how to choke, motherfucker? Yeah, you can take a class on how to choke because, I mean, you're not... Because when you choke someone, you're not cutting their air off, per se. There is an advanced form of breath play that you can play where you are cutting someone's air off. I have not done that before because, of course, it's dangerous to do to cut someone's air off. But yes, you can. I would absolutely suggest if you're into if you want to be into breath play, you want someone to cut your air off. The both of y'all need to go take a class from a master fetish trainer and how to do that properly, because that's the last thing you want to do is kill somebody. Exactly. Yes, there's there's people who teach, you know, because there's a way to slap. There's a way to punch. There's a way to spank. There's there's. Absolutely. There's ways and technique techniques on how to do it. You just don't hit somebody all willy nilly. Wow. Y'all, y'all heard it right here. Don't do not be. You can't hit somebody like you in the street and by the fire. Yeah. Them, you know? I mean, you can't be flogging somebody on the lower part of their back on top of where their kidneys are. That's not a good place to flog. Mm. Oh, wow. Y'all. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting questions y'all can take. But the last erotic love language is shapeshifter. shapeshifter. And the shapeshifter is someone who's turned on by it all. If you like all the above, then you like this shapeshifter. Shapeshifters love all the variety. They have a huge capacity for, for pleasure. They love having a long time language for all the things. They're wonderful lovers with a high erotic intelligence. The challenge for most shapeshifters is, is getting fully fed in their desires since they can shapeshift to easily please others, but they're often told they're too much. What do you think about shapeshifters? It's hard being a shapeshifter because I am often told that I am too much. (laughs) Um, Be patient with your shapeshifter. And then as a shapeshifter, know that there is many ways to pleasure. There are many pathways to pleasure. And as a shapeshifter, I and my goal is to try to learn all of mine. Um, I know where all of my hot spots are. If you touch me a certain kind of way, this is going to help me to orgasm. Um, if you have someone, is if they tell you that this is what they like, believe them. Just do that. That's all. You ain't got to do no extra with it. If um, they like you to cock cock your head to the left and lick across their vulva and across their clitoris instead of up and down, do that. Lick across. Don't lick up and Mm. down. Oh, Um, That's a trick. If you're eating pussy, if if you turn your head to the side and lick across the clitoris, you cover more area. And the woman gets more pleasure from it than just looking up and down. Oh, I gotta try that. I gotta try that. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you now? Last thing, what do you think about people on the BDSM? Or do you know any BDSMs on OnlyFans and stuff that be having their OnlyFans pages? Um, yes, I do know a few people. There is a black couple. 
Um, they have a OnlyFans, and I think they have their own porn company. They're called Royal Fetish Films. It's a lady named Jet Setting Jasmine and a man named King Noir. They are master fetish trainers. Um, I've watched a lot of their classes online. There is a man named Sir Marvelous. Um, he's going to be ex at Exotica. I'm going to be at Exotica in Chicago. He is a black dom and he is coming up the ranks in the BDSM lifestyle. There's a lady named Marla Stewart. She does sex down south in Atlanta and she is a BDSM teacher. She teaches specifically a class on slapping. And I think she teaches a breath play class, too. There is a Carnival Risque out of Florida. Um, they're not Black, but they are multicultural. Because I think um, the lady who is the wife, Goddess Els, I think like she's Latina, uh, Colombian something. Don't, you know, don't hold me to that. But they teach BDSM, they teach pet play. They're out of this place called Club, club Swingster. It's a lifestyle club down in Florida. So there's lots of. Hey, that's my state. So I got. I guess I'm about to go find them because that's that's where I'm located. So I guess I gotta try to find them. Royal Fetish is out of Florida too. I think. Real Royal Fetish. Royal Fetish Films. They're they're a black. They're out of Florida as well. Listen, I saw that Exotica. The next time it's in Miami, I might just have to show up. You know what I'm saying? That is just, in, that's in July. Ooh, you might catch your boy there, y'all. You might catch your boy there on the scene trying to get recruit them people to come on the podcast and have this conversation <laughs> like I have the Duchess over here. So, mm -hmm. might be recruiting them. So, lastly, actually, second to last, what some people need to you think people should know? what some people should get out of this conversation today um don't be afraid of your sexuality um be proud be brave whatever you are if you're queer if you're bi if you're gay if you're straight if you like whatever you like don't be don't be ashamed of it because there's somebody out there to match your freak and don't be blind about it. Do your research. If you think that you might be into nipple play and having a nipple gasm, don't be ashamed to go Google that shit and learn what having a nipple having nipple play means. Um, if you think you might be into electro play, look that shit up and Google it. Find out what electro play is. Um, don't let someone talk you into something and you don't necessarily know what it is. If someone asks you to give them a Dirty Sanchez, go look up what Dirty Sanchez is before you agree to doing that. Um, it's a very gross sex act. I'll just say that. Go Google it. Um, <laughs> go Google it. <laughs> um, and... Um, your orgasm is your responsibility. It's your responsibility to know what you like to teach your partner. That's real. That's real. Oh, Lord have mercy. Y'all, don't look up what the hell a dirty Sanchez is. Don't ever do that shit. <laughs> I can't believe some motherfuckers actually do that shit. Oh, uh, hell no. Exactly. But lastly, why do people need to tap in with you, the Duchess Cash? And why do people need to tap in with your channel and what you got going on? Why do people need to? tap in with you 
Because I do erotica like you've never seen. I tell fornication fairy tales, pussy poetry, and MILF monologues like you've never heard before. My podcast is streaming live on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and it gives you a real positive sexual perspective from a Black queer woman of color. Well, that's the kind of oxymoron, Black queer woman of color, but a queer woman of color. And I think that that is a perspective that is not shown in a positive light. Um, You know, I'm married, I'm Black, I'm a dominatrix, I'm bisexual. My husband and I both experience this lifestyle together. We play together, we play separately, we enjoy watching each other play we um and as black people we should be about the fullness of life and sexual orgasmic pleasure is one of the areas where we've denied ourselves long enough agreed uh, we damn sure have we damn sure have we deny like, ourselves all the time so why not we need we need to give our all to the bedroom yes we do and there'll be more happy motherfuckers out there y'all motherfuckers <laughs> won't be on social media talking shit about all the opposite sexes is you just fuck somebody that ain't good for you. And y'all didn't do the homework on it. Bottom line. But I want to thank you for coming on Look at Talk today, Duchess Casimir. Thank you for blessing the Look at Talk with your presence. Thank Remember, you. if you ever need me for anything, I'm here. I might be in Florida, but I'm just a DM away. So we're going to work together. You know what I'm saying? Thank take you for having me. And, uh, thank you for coming on. And thank you to listeners for tapping in the Look at Talk. Remember, this is the conversations you can expect out of Look at Talk. We remember we are taking over for the 22 and the 23. Until the next time, we out this thing, y'all. Strange for Canada.